What's up, everybody? John Bush from Arm Insane, and you are listening to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Turn it up. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly dee. Well, all right, it's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. As always, it's Dr. Fuck, and with me is... Oh, yeah! Ian Wadley from Nashville. Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? And, uh, what's going on, dude? Uh, I survived the hurricane. I was out of power, but I'm back with power. End of story. Yes, uh, it was a very nice story. I just put, well, I mean... First and foremost, we're glad that you and your family and a lot of our friends uh, in Florida are safe. And uh, But I put up Wednesday when I normally announce what this coming week's episode is going to be. I put like, hey, after 174 weeks, uh, the streak's going to end, you know, due to the fact that you just don't have power. And for those who don't know, uh, it, Ralph does all the editing. We record the shows. We add news to them later. And you do all the editing and all that stuff, but if you can't turn on your computer because you got no power, uh, it kind of screws us. So I made that post saying, hey, it's just not going to happen. And then you called me later in the day and said, yeah, man, this ain't going to happen. And then that night, lo and behold, your power came on. Yeah, but uh, I ran into a whole fucking different problem again. You, you see, since last Friday, I haven't stopped. I've worked. I've been working, working, working. Today's finally my first day off. I had the most rancid smell in my fucking uh, fridge. Turned out it was like water under the thing that had to actually turn the the fridge on its side for all the water to come out, and it smelled so bad that it still smells in my house. And I spent the whole fucking day with no sleep, just getting this shit resolved. I'm, I'm telling you, I might I might end up going to the hospital for exhaustion, man. I am dead tired, and we're doing this on Thursday. And I do my show in an hour and a half, so uh, we're going to have to knock this fucker out. But I'm doing this shit in a smelly house, and I haven't had, had the best. Yeah, 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 and the beach has been destroyed. And uh, I, I've been working too fucking hard, man, and I'm just exhausted. Just fucking exhausted. But, uh, man, all I can say is you really love the fans to uh, to make time for this, so that's that's. Yeah, awesome. well, speaking of that, man, I should have bought some battery-operated fans. <laughs> Fucking A. But, you know, um, what do you call? I'm just fucking tired, dude. I'm really fucking, I'm spent. And I haven't, ha- I haven't been with a woman in almost two weeks since I got back from Nashville. How long has that been? Uh, like almost three weeks? Yeah, three since weeks? three weeks. And you think I can bring a girl into this fucking smelly-ass house? I think not. I got a headache, dude, from the bleach and the cleaning products and the, and that smell. I'm not do, I'm not too fucking happy about it, but I am happy about one thing. This week, we're reviewing Ario Speedwagon's <laughs> um, Nine Lives, and somebody paid for this episode. I, I didn't think you knew this, Ian. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did, man. <laughs> I paid money and I never, you know, this is actually an episode we did a long time ago, like over six months ago, before we yeah. ever had the, you know, 
the what do you call the con? Not the con. What, what's the dude? I'm 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 high on fumes. I don't even know what I'm saying. Yeah, the uh, the fan paid for episode. Yeah. So since I did, I I think I put in two or three hundred bucks. I don't even remember. Yes, sir. Uh, to the expo. This is uh, one of my ep- episodes that I paid for. It was like a premonition. <laughs> yeah. Plus, uh, I I love doing albums I don't like. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Oops. Well, at least this one has guitar solos, and they don't talk about crying when chicks touch them. <laughs> and it rocks. Yeah. All right. So, all right. Well, what, what what's the reviews? Let's get into it. All right. Well, f- first, I, I want to say uh, we just got an announcement that uh, the the Rock and Pod Expo Mach Two is already the planning stages are underway. Uh, after some consideration, it is going to be in Nashville again. And this year could be a two-day event. All right, good for them. I'll be there. All right, all right. Yes, we will. Uh, more details as they develop. Yeah. Uh, all right, we have an iTunes review. Uh, very nice one. A oh, by the by the way, Ian. Yes, uh, sir. N- uh, next year, you know, people out there, if you want to donate to get your, we're gonna have it differently now. You donate, I pick the album. <laughs> Yeah, there, there. Yeah, for you to pick, it's going to be a lot more money. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure something out. I think there's going to be a lot of different options <laughs> this next time. Uh, but this is a five-star review entitled "Amazing," and this comes from Liam Ruder. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Ruder, Ruder, that's the name. Just flush your troubles down the drain. <laughs> and he says, and I quote. This podcast is my everyday listen. I love it so much. All the information that Ralph and Ian and Bill know is awesome. Sometimes I listen to three episodes a day. By the way, it's Wang, not Bill. He doesn't like being called Bill. (laughs) Yet, yet he called himself Bill. Go figure. He's got a big old credit card. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Uh, And then he simply ends it with awesome. Fuck yeah, Ruder. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, brother. Uh, awesome review. I like that I, name, Ruder. That's awesome. I li- yeah. That's a cool name, Ruder. Yo, yeah. Ruder. I like that. I, I have cousins that are Ruders. Oh yeah. I don't talk to them that much. When I when I when I uh, when I meet a girl in the club, I give her a Ruder. I mean Roofie. So I got I got I got it mixed up. All right. I'm Han well, Fumes. Well, here is an episode that was sent to me by none other than Josh Carlson. Josh Carlson. And this is a review from South Africa. South Africa. Yeah, holy shit. Guyana. Uh, <laughs> and uh, this is from Grant the South African. Oh, I like that. He, Like, I'm Ralph the Floridian. <laughs> Well, Grant the South African left us a five-star review entitled, Now I Know Gary Moore. Yeah. And he says, and I quote, Man, this was an awesome show. Last week's podcast about Gary Moore really opened my eyes. As a longtime shredder, I thought I heard them all. I I don't know how this guy eluded me all these years, but thanks to you and my Hasidic brother, Stephen Kirsch, for turning me on to a killer guitar player. If you've never heard the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, it's the most awesome rock podcast around. 
Ralph and Ian are completely natural, no holds barred, and they say what they think, and they're seriously funny. The chemistry is amazing. Not often do you find a creative partner to bounce off of, uh, bounce to this level of awesomeness. They have a great wealth of information about your favorite bands and a lot of personal stories to boot. Since listening to the podcast two years ago, I've been turned on to a lot of cool stuff like Queensryche and now Gary Moore. In South Africa, you just don't hear music like that. Keep up the good work, chaps. Uh, Grant. And then he put, and I love this because it's from Twin Peaks. This is the water, and this is the well. Drink full and descend. The horse is the white of the eyes and dark within. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I wish he would have shaved it down a bit. How many times <laughs> did he say it? 50 times during that episode? <laughs> you know, you know. Let's get well. First off, I want to say thanks to South African guy. Can you imagine, dude, being like this guy that's into shredders, and then discovering Gary Moore? That must have been mind blowing for him. Well, I mean, I mean, I discovered Gary. I mean, I knew of him, but I didn't start listening to him until he started doing the show. So uh, I, I concur. Yes, uh, he is an amazing find. Yeah, but it's not character. the same, dude. He shreds the guitar. You play a kazoo. It, it's just that's a right. different, a different, you know. You play the Rolling Rock hand. That's right, and I played well. Exactly. But you know, um, Twin Peaks. Let's talk about that for a second. All right. That ending. I I, I didn't understand it at all, but it was awesome. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I I absolutely I I think you know it what I'm was saying. By, I think it was the best series. You know what uh, I'm saying? Uh, yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You know what what saying? year is it? Yeah. Lara. You know, it just, but dude, I, I, I gotta tell you, man, I did have a problem with it. There was too many dragged out scenes, like him in the car with Laura going to Twin Peaks. Holy fuck, could you shave that down a bit? And and the nuclear explosion episode, what was that, 30 minutes of a nuclear explosion? See, and, I, I, I no, love no, it. Uh, Visually, it was amazing. What's wrong with you, Ian? I, I know. I just I find it very artistic. Maybe it's because I'm autistic. I don't know. Yeah, uh, that's true. But no, yeah. no. I, I gotta say, I love the ending, even though it's open to many interpretations. I yes. happen to think it was the future. You know, and uh, but at the same time, I don't think the 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 Palmers moved into the house yet. But I still thought it was the future. See, I don't get even what I don't even know understand my explanation. Yeah, I I, ha, I have no idea, and I'm perfectly okay with that. I hope they don't come back no more. That's it. End it like that. It's a better ending than Cooper smashing his head in the mirror because that made me want to know what the fuck's gonna happen now. I I don't want to know no more. I I'm Twin Peaks out. You know. Oh, I'm I'm not. I'm I'm full blown ready for season four. The is likely there, is there a season four? Well, I, here, here's the thing. Uh, I believe everybody's open to it, but I don't know if Showtime will shell out the money that they did for season three because it, it did good. It, it was weird. Like, Showtime got, like, they quadrupled uh, their subscriptions, like people who signed up to Showtime just prior to this starting. But overall, it did not get the ratings that they were looking for. There was a lot of, like fans that were turned off to this because this was full-blown David Lynch and Mark Frost and there's a lot of people who like 
you know, there were so many other directors and writers on the TV version. Uh, you know, like the first season is kind of a truer version, but then, you know, the second season, so much shit and wasn't as much creative control. Like, they never, ever wanted it revealed who killed Laura Palmer. ABC made them reveal it. They said, do it, do it, or, or we're canceling it. They didn't want to do it. They just wanted to create mystery after mystery, and and you don't get answers uh, always, you know, just when you thought you knew all the answers. Well, let me tell you something. Um, I'm glad they did because that was really cool when you found out who the killer was because oh, yeah. the signs were always there, yet, yet you, well, I don't know about you, but, man. That, oh, no. Uh, I, go ahead. No, I'm just saying the signs were there who the killer was the whole time, and yet when when it, it finally was real, I was like, "Holy fuck, it's him!" And then I thought about it. Yeah, no wonder he was this and that and that and this. You know what I mean? Yeah, I thought it was genius. What what happened for me, and this really sucks, is uh, I I didn't watch the show when it was on. Uh, at that time, I just wasn't watching TV. Period. I was out. You know, I had a car. I was always gone. I didn't watch primetime TV anymore. And uh, so I got into it later, and it was kind of the dawn of the internet age. But when I got it, I, man, I was so into it, and I wanted to learn everything I could. And I went on this website, and we're talking, this is back in the 90s, late 90s. I think I had dial-up at the time. So I go on this site, and I'm trying to get to this one page that was talking about a certain episode but I saw something at the top and it showed me who the killer was like three episodes into it. And I was just like, oh, oh that's so, so I, and I just, it, it's one of those things. Like I wasn't trying to find that out. I was just trying to understand an episode a little bit more and I saw it. I couldn't unsee it and it ruined it for me. That's why I fucking hate, uh, you know, unless you give a warning that you're, you know, you're given spoilers and stuff. I hate that shit. And this day and age, you know, it's, it's, it's like when uh, Force Awakens came out. I, I had to stay off of Facebook until I saw it because some asshole, and, and, and you were living proof to this, you said when you walked out of the theater, somebody already revealed, uh, you know, uh, right, the eight, Right yeah. when I got home. The second yeah. I got home and I and I got online, I went on Facebook, the first thing I saw in my news feed was so-and-so died. I'm saying that in case somebody didn't see Force yeah. Awakens. And I was like, good thing I went to go see it, man. But what, and you know there's just like, it's the same people that are trolls. They just get a thrill out of hating and, you know, pissing other people off. And I can't stand that shit, you know? They suck. I hate trolls with a passion. Yes. You know, and I was telling uh, our, our, our troll-loving dude, I won't mention his name. I was like, dude, like, you know, when, when I went up on that thing and we ripped that Sammy Hagar album and we were goofing on the Kiss podcast and all that shit... I was like, dude, that's how you troll motherfuckers to their face. Don't do it online and shit. I mean, but that's a different type of troll. You know, I mean, we're not going yeah. into, you know, we, we, we went into the podcast then and pretty much told them all to kiss my ass, you know? And Yeah, but we, we trolled out of, like, good-natured ribbing, and we did it to everybody's face like a man, not like a bitch, you like know? Like a man. <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, because we're so-called comedians like that. Oh, I got a headache. I don't even want to talk about that idiot. <laughs> All right, so, that's it. No more uh, reviews? 
yeah, you know, here's the one thing I gotta say on that, because I, I know everybody loves that fucking drama. But it, it was brought up on, uh, and you, you saw this, you know, and this was just amongst us podcasters, uh, if that individual should be uh, invited back. And I put, yeah, I go, that would be a living, breathing Hagar record for us to rip up on stage. <laughs> you know, could you imagine oh, yeah. what, what we would do? That guy's there next year. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, oh yeah. That'd be fun. But again, like men, we'd do it right to his face. Exactly. Because <laughs> we come from that era, of that, that, that pre-internet era, where that's what you did. <laughs> where, you know, somebody made, uh, was, was it a Twitter account? Yes, yes. And nobody will fess up to that. You no, should. I have no, I have no idea. I have, I have a few ideas, and I, I have a feel. My gut feeling is it's a fellow podcaster, because I think somebody on our page would have fessed up. I think it's a fellow podcaster yeah. that was equally uh, annoyed at the whole situation. But uh, you know, you should fess up, man. Come on, like a man. Hey, <laughs> I gotta tell you, it made me laugh. I was like, oh, yeah. fuck, that's too funny. <laughs> that is and I'm the guy that coined that name. I know. So it's somebody who definitely listened to our show. Yeah. But, but, uh, but also, you know, a lot of our fellow podcasters who were at the event are, are uh, friends and fans of our show. So that's awesome. They heard that episode. <laughs> All I know is he should, he should already fess up Scott Stein. <laughs> Scott Stein. MVP. Happy birthday, Scott Stein. It's his birthday as we're recording this. I saw something like that. I, I got a thing on Facebook, and then I tr- went, went to wish him a happy birthday, and then it said it wasn't his birthday, and there was an heir. If it is your birthday, Scott, happy birthday. I tried to wish you happy birthday, but... Uh, Maybe your Facebook's is like, you know, like, what year is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah! Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, those are the reasons. Once again, I want to thank Josh Carlson because I don't have access to outside of the continental United States reviews on Facebook. So that was very nice of him to send that. It's and got you. us in it. Yes. And thank you, Grant the South African, for that very nice review. Yeah. And thank, and thank you, Liam Reuter. So. All right. Reuter and the South Africa guy. There you go. All right. Now it's time for the news. The news. All right. Well, Foreigner, uh, to be rejoined by original members for Ultimate 40th Anniversary Finale. And this isn't at every Foreigner show, but at some, uh, I think you get Lou, Graham, and Dennis Elliott at a couple, but there was one here uh, that that had Lou Graham, Dennis Elliott, Al Greenwood, Ian McDonald, and Rick Willis, who I believe are all the surviving members. One guy who died. Um, did you see any of that footage? Uh, yeah, I did. I thought Lou Graham sounded great. Really? Yeah. I thought he sounded like ass. And, and I, I, I love Lou Graham. I love Lou Graham. But you know what? I saw Foreigner with with Kelly Hansen, and uh, and man, I thought he was incredible. I, I love this tribute version of Foreigner because I, I think it, it just sounded really good. The guy's got a great voice. Awesome. I saw Hurricane a couple times. Every time I saw... Oh, no, that's not true. I was about to say, every time I saw Hurricane back in the day, it was opening for Striper, but I did see him headline once at Club. Ah. Uh, yeah. And I, 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 I like that band, Hurricane. Yeah, I'm they surprised. Right. They were I'm surprised right. you like them. Yeah, I like them. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, no, dude, Hurricane, that song, Hur- uh, 
Uh, messing yeah. with a hurricane kicks ass, dude. Yeah, I heard you played that on your radio show last week. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I was playing a lot of hurricane type songs. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, well, well, here's the thing. It's, it's not that... He sounded good for a man his age, you know, but it's like, it was weird because when I saw him, I mean, it, it was like, and it, it was, it was such a tribute band kind of way. I mean, it sounded like the fucking record. And of course, I mean, nobody at that age is going to sound exactly like they used to, you know, and Kelly Hansen's half of fucking Lou Graham's age, or at least a good 20 years younger, uh, I would say. I thought he did good. But it, 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 it's kind of a weird thing. It's like Kelly Hansen can do him better than he can do him himself now. And, you know, a lot, a lot of people, you know, always talk about David Lee Roth. And we know this from seeing these reunion tours. Man, there's some songs that Dave, like, yeah, he's on. And then there's some songs you're like, oh, shit. But the thing with David Lee Roth is he's so David Lee Roth that even when he's off vocally on the song, he's still so goddamn entertaining and doing David Lee Roth type shit that I don't know. Like, I I just get so caught up in it. I could give a fuck less if he hits a bum note. But when you got somebody like Lou Graham who is just, he's a singer. You know you know what I mean? He's not like a, a rock star. He's a, he's a great rock singer. I mean, one of, one of the greats, you know, in his prime. But I think when you got somebody who just goes up to the mic and just does like that kind of shtick, I, I mean, or lack thereof, I should say, uh, you live and die by your vocals. And I just think at this point, you know, Kelly Hansen did it a lot better. And and even the ones I watched, you got Kelly Hansen uh, doing like background shit and adding little nuances that really kind of beefed it up, in my opinion. But, I, you know, that that being said, I still like seeing the original band out there. But for an overall show, I think you're better off seeing the tribute version. Well, I'm a very casual fan. I saw the 404 tour, so I'm good. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, let's see. Next story. Ah, Tony Iommi of uh, Black Sabbath on Black Sabbath's final tour. He says, we lost that sort of uh, camaraderie. I don't know how to say this, camaraderie, 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 camaraderie is what I want to say, but it's written camaraderie. Anyway, basically what he's saying is they don't all hang out and do shit together. And uh, he kind of missed that on the last tour while he said it was, you know, very fun and everything and he enjoyed it. You know, they're at that stage in their life where everybody's got their own bus or plane or whatever and they pretty much just saw each other on stage. He said Ozzy came in a couple of times and said hi before the show. But, uh, you know, he said both Ozzy and Geezer don't drink. He's the only one who drinks. So it's like, you, you, know, you know, they weren't all hanging out together like brothers. And, you know, I, I think that's probably why 13 turned out the way it is. Because it's just like guys coming together, a business decision to make an album. And it's not like these guys that all are in each other's heads still, you know, and maybe that, that is just the stuff of youth. Maybe it's unrealistic to, to think that kind of shit can go on to your senior years. But I think that's why a lot of bands suffer as they get older, or especially maybe when they find success and they can afford to be away from each other. Because I, th- I think when you're all together and you're all struggling and stuff, there's there, that shows in your music and, and in your writing. 
And when you're rich and you know you're not suffering and you're on your own private jet, you're in your own private world. Maybe the band loses that kind of bandness. I don't know. Well, they lost it. Why not having Bill Ward? Me cago en la pinga, coño. Sin Bill Ward, Black Sabbath no es Black Sabbath, cojones. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, exactly. Exactly. Oh, shit. He's lost his mind. All right. Next story. Next story. Next story. All right. Uh, Lars Ulrich and Henry Rollins are going to be featured in a new book entitled Why Vinyl Matters. And uh, it says in 2015, vinyl sales had increased by 30% and had risen for 10 years in a row. And uh, basically this book is a lot of artists talking about why vinyl is uh, so important and, you know, giving their two cents on why they think it's making a resurgent. And I got to say, I know it's kind of the hipsterish thing to do now, but I'm fully on board and I'm buying all this shit that I already have. Hipster alert. Yeah, no, e- either buying it on, on CD, you know, stuff that I have on CD or MP3 format. Uh, I just find this new thrill of having it on vinyl. And, uh, you know, what Lars, uh, they have a little part of what he was talking about. He says, man, the thrill of holding it in your hands, ripping off that plastic, and then wondering, hey, is it a gatefold? Uh, when I pull it out, is there going to be a lyric sheet? Is there cool pictures? And, you know, I had just got a vinyl uh, in the mail yesterday, and this band I had just <coughs> discovered a few days ago, and I found out they put a new album out and uh, ordered it, and man, I pull it out, and it, like, has the cool new uh, vinyl slip cover that's supposed to be better for the record, you know, but there's no pictures or anything, but I pull it out, and it's a clear blue vinyl, and it's just like, I don't know, and it sounds so good, too. It sounds so much better than MP3s. I mean, I, I search out high-end MP3s, but still, I just love that low-end, uh, you know, and I love staring at the artwork, and you know, there's just something about it, and I'm glad it's making a comeback. I'm glad that more people are discovering it. I just wish the price would go down. But uh, but overall, I'm very happy to see records making a comeback. Ah, fuck you, Ian. All right. Sorry, the Tourette's kicked in. Yeah, that's. I know that's the bleach talking. Yeah. All right. I'm more into Nevermind, by the way. <laughs> Nevermind. All right. Kirk Hammett says Soundgarden was the inspiration for the riff to Inner Sandman. Fuck you, Kurt! <laughs> he said at the time he was listening to, uh, what was it, Louder Than Love? I think he was listening to, yeah, Louder Than Love. <clears throat> and that inspired him to pick up the guitar and write that riff. And, uh, you know, I gotta say, as much as I'm not the biggest Black Album fan, I definitely never ever need to hear that song again what a fucking riff what song was that again that inspired it uh he doesn't say the song he just said listening to the album louder than love by soundgarden and just pretty much listening to kim thale and and soundgarden uh he said he felt so inspired he just picked up the guitar and came up with that riff but at that that time that was his uh main inspiration but he didn't point out a specific song uh, just that album in general which I don't believe is, is their finest album. Uh, I like it, but I think it's a little bit overrated. I like I like Bad Motorfinger the best. 
Yeah, I love Bad Motor Finger. Uh, I, and I love Super Unknown, too. I yes, think there's a... Yeah, Super Unknown had some filler, though. But, yeah. I, I yep. never liked Outshine, though. That's the only song I don't like off Bad Motor Finger. Oh, I love that song. Oh, shut but, up. But, but uh, Super Unknown, I mean, is, is definitely... That's the victim of that... You know, when every CD was 70 fucking minutes long. Ultra Mega OK was good. I like that. I, I love that one a lot. That, that, that's one of my favorite ones. Probably my favorite one of that the song, older. Flower is awesome. Yeah, is that's that on good. that one? I, I or, or, well, that, that's, that's Screaming, on the e- Screaming Life or something like that. Yeah, that's on the EP. Yeah, I like that song, Flower. That's cool. Uh, but uh, but no, I, I love Soundgarden, but I got to admit, though, overall, I'm a casual fan. Uh, that Monkey See Monkey Do last album was crap. Whatever it was called. Monkey Wrench? I forget. Who cares? Alrighty. Uh, Whitesnake is putting out, uh, I think it's like a three album version of the 87 album. And mm. uh, comes with a DVD and everything and a bunch of demos and uh, live shit. And... Uh, I'll be downloading that. <laughs> yeah, Vivian Campbell, man. I saw yeah. that tour. Oh, yeah? What'd you think? Oh, it was great. It was White Snake and Great White. And Great White played, um, oh, what's the song they played off the first album? I think they played Down on Your Knees. They played one song off the first album. I was like, all right. That's right. Our, yeah, I saw uh, White, White Snake was headlining. Because they became, that album blew up. They were opening for Motley Crue uh, when that album came out. But by the time Motley Crue came down here, who opened for Motley Crue on Girls Tour down here? Oh, it was Guns N' Roses. Yeah. And uh, White Snake was already too big to open for them. And then they came down here with Great White, and I, and I checked it out, man. And it did was you, cool. Did you get to see them on the uh, Slide It In tour? Why do you have to bring that up, dude? I didn't. What? Try and rub it in. Try and make me feel bad. No, I never saw him with Sykes. You happy? Sure. Hmm. All right. Uh, sorry, Ian. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> it's these fucking fumes in here. I'm it's very okay. upset. It's okay. Good thing we ain't reviewing nine lives. <laughs> Good thing that's in the can. I, w- I couldn't. I couldn't handle your negativity now, man. Oh man. Oh, oh get ready for a bitch fest. Oh, but, yeah. But, th- but then again, he's Ian is no match for Mike Curate. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't know, though. I, I got to say, and because and, and, I'm a gentleman, I will say, spoiler alert, I think this is the worst fucking record we've ever fucking reviewed on this show. It was so bad. It was so bad. Wowzers. Yeah, like like really. Like, I, 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 re- I, I had hope for this because I was like, well, you know what? I mean, I know me and Rob differ, but I was like, you know, there's got to be something about this one. Because he said, hey, I think this is the one you might like. I was like, so, well, you know. So worse than Poison, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd rather listen to Poison than this shit. Wow. Oh, def- definitely. But you know you know what I thought, though? Because I've always told you, I love Riding the Storm out. You know, I love that fucking song. I love the live version. Uh, you know, I, I like the studio version. I just think it's a great song. Nah, but that's, I hate but that's, the studio version. But that's it, you know. The studio version. There, actually, there is a studio version with Kevin Cronin that I haven't heard yet. That I believe was released on some kind of compilation. I like to hear it. But I hated that singer, Mike Murphy, whatever. Ronnie Emerson, man, that guy sucked. Yeah, but by far, you know, the definitive version's the live version. Yeah, yeah. 
And I even like the other live version more than the live version. The one that's on Decade of Rock and Roll is my favorite version. You like that better than the Tuna Piano or whatever the fuck? It, or no, what uh, Tuna Piano oh, the studio album. Uh, you Get What You Play For. Yeah. Great, great, great live album. Yeah. All right. Quiet Riot's Frankie Vinali says he's been ridiculously criticized. Poor guy. He's a nice guy, man, but it's true. I got to tell you this. Um, I actually at work saw a full Quiet Riot show from not long ago. From like a couple days ago or a week ago or something. I just watched yeah. it like two days ago. And let me tell you something. They were really good. The only problem I have is that that singer's stage presence is terrible and his stage rev is terrible. But his voice is good. I mean, he carried those tunes. But he just has this fake persona stage presence about him that kind of ruins it for me. But, you know, vocally, dude, the guy's not bad. I mean, you know, I've heard that studio shit and it sucks. And oddly enough, they only played one song off that album that's pretty weak, you know? Really, but, really uh, oddly enough? <laughs> you, you figure, you, you know, but still, I mean, he he sang those, I mean, he hit all those Dubrow notes, and I was very impressed with the guy. But, yeah, stage-wise, he just was the total, like, you know, like, uh, you know, like, like Jeff Tate during the Warning Tour on that Live in Japan concert. It's right. like, I, something about Jeff Tate annoyed me, too, back then. He's like, you know, I don't know, trying too hard to be a rock star. But, uh, but you know, again, Jeff Tate sounded amazing. I love Queens, right? And I love that fucking Tokyo show. But, you know, they only could have edited Jeff Tate out of that show. It would have been awesome. Just the back of his head or something. Or just a close-up of his lips singing, you know? Instead of his little prancing around bullshit. Um, yeah, you know, I've got the new... Quiet Riot, but I I just can't even bring myself to listen to it. And I, I think the problem, I mean, when you get one of these American Idol voice motherfuckers, I think that's a problem. You're basically getting a karaoke singer instead of an artist. I mean, if you make it on those shows, chances are, for the most point, you can sing. But, you know, there's a big difference between just singing a song and being able to write music and to actually have star presence. You know, that's why most of them you never see again. You know, I'd probably say 98% of them. And, yeah, he really, he really has no presence. I, I think his presence on stage is very weak. There's no, I don't know. I mean, I just can't get into it. But the guy, the guy. I mean, he sings those songs good, though. I got to give it to him, you know? Yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. You know, after I heard a little snippet, I, I haven't even bothered to check out the live. Maybe I need to go back and, and well, check it don't, out. Well, don't watch it. Just listen. <laughs> he's good. He's really good. Right. Just listen to the audio. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, watching it's kind of disturbing. The guy's like, oh, come on, dude. Stop with your little stances. And his little rap in between songs was pretty bad, too. But whatever, <laughs> you know. But uh, uh, Frankie killing it, though, on the drums. I mean, killing it. Oh, yeah. Amazing. And, and like you said, a super nice guy. I saw the reunion tour, you know, of the original lineup and got to meet all of them. Uh, you know, and, and they were all nice, even Kevin. Uh, but I, I talked to Frankie the most, and he was a super, uh, a super nice guy. Very attentive and very... He seemed thankful for everybody who showed up. And uh, so... I, I, you know, I feel bad begrudging the guy. It's like, I wish he would just start something else, but I know the reality of it. If this man was to start another band, nobody would go. And this guy has a daughter to take care of. You know, you know he has 
bills to pay as well, and he will make a little bit more by by you know by calling it quiet riot. But you know, for fans of the band, it is kind of grimacing to see you know, like basically what turns out to be a Bobby Blotzer experience kind of thing. You know. Oh, that that reminds me, Ian. Do you like Wendy's? <laughs> Wendy's nuts. <laughs> Rub across your head. <laughs> I don't know how that's a connection there at all. It reminded me of that, and I don't know why. You like dragons? I like dragging these nuts across your face. Wow, what a homo. Hey, well, then I'm, again, I, I I enjoy it too, so what's, a, hey, what's that I say about got, me? I haven't got laid in three weeks either, and I have no excuse. Yeah, you got, you got fucking, you got like live-in pussy. What's your excuse? I don't know. I, I guess it's my best. I had to go. I had to go live with my parents for a couple for a week, man, because of no power, and they don't oh. allow me to bring chicks in the house. Hey, you were around your mother for three weeks and couldn't get laid. I think you're worse than me. <laughs> nah, come on, man. That's disgusting, dude. Uh. <laughs> All right. Oh well, boy, this cleaning product product gave me a little clarity there. <laughs> well, speaking of disgusting, uh, holy shit. Guess what you can get now for $50,000? These nuts across my face? Hey, I know. But, let, you know, here's the deal, man. Don't fucking... Hey, man, if I had, if I was a quadrillionaire, I'd pay Gene fucking that much to come over to my house and bring me that vault and hang out with him and shoot the shit for a couple hours. But, hey, come on. It's bizarre. And I know a lot of people are going to be bitching about it. Idiot. Here's the deal. There's going to be somebody that's going to pay that. Let me put it this way. If you had the opportunity to make $50,000 just to go to somebody's house and hang out for two hours, you'd do it in a heartbeat. Oh, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, but Gene don't need the money. Yes, he does. We all need mo- fucking all the money in the world. All you motherfucking hypocrites. What are you doing? What, what, you, you don't want money? You don't want money? Of course you want money. And Gene, I applaud him. Fuck yeah. And fuck all that noise about I don't give a fuck about none of that. You know what I give a fuck about, Ian? What? The Van Halen songs are finally coming out. Christine 16, Got Love for Sale, and Tunnel of Love finally are going to be released. I think the $50,000 is to pay Eddie Van Halen to let that shit come out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, because that's originally... See, when I saw the Kiss Convention 95, Gene said those were going to be on that... Kiss box set that came out like 15 years ago, but um, <coughs> because of legal issues, it couldn't happen. Well, it can now, so yeah, I guess you know, who knows what happened. But well, I'm, I'm I'm very excited for it, and yeah, I know it's 130 songs, and 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 I'm willing to bet 90 somewhat of them are gonna suck, but I bet you anything, there's gonna be like four or five really cool tunes in there that we've never heard before. Right. Well, you know, you know, you know and. You know, you hit on a point part. Like, if I was so rich that $50,000 was, like, $100, <laughs> you know, I would do it. But it's like, uh, you know, how many KISS fans have $50,000? They don't because they spend all their money on fucking stupid KISS shit. That's true. <laughs> you know, it's like... Yeah, exactly. Uh, if I wouldn't have bought that goddamn coffin, I could have had Gene come to my house. Right, and, and I, I I get, you know, what you're saying, you know, nobody's holding a gun to your head and forcing you to pay this, but I'm like, you know, you know, what kind of 
uh, you know, fan are you going to meet for $50,000? I'm putting money on a douchebag fan, <laughs> you know? It, yeah, it, I, yeah. you know what, Ian, you make a good point. I really can't see a fan actually afford that. And I have a feeling that if it doesn't happen, Gene's just going to, like, pretend somebody paid 50000 He's going to have one of his... Oh, his, you know that. His, you know his buddies... His buddy's wife's sister's brother. Hey, pretend, uh, pretend that you paid fifty thousand. I'm gonna come to your house. Right. But you know, I've already seen, and you might have seen it. Uh, there's already Kiss fans talking about pooling together to get the money to do this because you are allowed, I believe, like twenty five guests. Uh, for for some of these appearances. Ah, oh, you see, then that makes more sense. You get, you get. All right, let's do the math. Twenty-five into fifty thousand would be what, like uh, seventy thousand each. <laughs> I don't know. I got cleaning products in my head. Yeah, carry the two. I, I don't know. It's still a, it's a lot of clams, you know. And, and and it's money that people should really be donating to the Rock and Metal Combat podcast to go to uh, to, to volume two. You know, don't give oh, your money, to Gene. Give it to us. Or if you are gonna give your money, Gene. Have it at my house, and let's all get a kick out of his face when he walks in and smells this rancid smell in my house. <laughs> See what he says. See if it fucking uh, wig fries up. I love Gene Simmons, by the way. I love him. I love how he fucking wanted to trademark the horns and drove everybody fucking crazy. The only thing I, I have bad to say about Gene Simmons is uh, him being Paul's bitch and what he said about Prince. And I'm not even a Prince fan, but, you know, the whole depression. No, it wasn't Prince. Who did he? Who did he? Bash? Oh no, no, he talked shit about Prince too. But but yeah, I know. But yeah, he talked shit about Prince because of drugs. But the depression thing. Who killed themselves out of depression? He made fun of. Uh, Rob, Robin Williams, I think. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, man. That, you know, that, that was a little soul. But I like when he says like, "Rock is dead." Even though I don't agree with him, I like how he fucking says shit and yeah. drives everybody fucking crazy. Yeah. I, you know what it is about me, and I love people. I love shit that's hated by most. Like, like, like you. I love Pantera. Yeah, love I love the last Metallica album. I love Lars Ulrich. I love uh, Gene Simmons. I love um, who else? That's just is a, is a complete fucking uh, shitster. I like shitsters, man. They appeal right. to me. Yeah, you know? but my, you know my thing is, you know, Gene, you know. Don't pick on Robin Williams, you know, because he was depressed no, no, and killed yeah, himself. You yeah. know, make fun of Jumanji, you know. Be mad about that, you know. I was. Oh, uh, was it a good movie? I don't know. I wouldn't watch that shit. It looked like a fucking kid's film. Oh, you didn't even see it? Fuck no. Oh, okay. I didn't see it either, though. <laughs> so I, I can't say. But, uh, no, I, and I, I said it a million times. Gene was the nicest uh, Kiss member I met. So anybody who can meet him. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I recommend it. I thought he was very nice and sincere. I, You know, a lot of this shit is an act, you know. Uh, he just, he loves attention. Most artists do, you and know. And, you know, that box set's going to have shit from 1967. 50 and, years worth of music. You know, it's pretty, pretty wild. And I got to tell you, man, I, uh, like, I was kind of, you know, not kind of, I was disappointed in the, uh, you know the deluxe edition of Love Gun, but but his two songs on that I love. If you can have you know a couple of those, the quality of uh, you know like Much Too Soon, I love that song. You know, and Gene's done some cool weird shit. He's done a lot of crap too, but 
hey, you know, I love Russian roulette, you know, so what do I know? And, and, and another thing about Gene is he dumbs down his bass playing. He's so good, but he dumbs it down a lot. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of people think, oh, that guy can't play bass. Oh, dude, that guy is fucking, oh. he's McCartney-esque oh, when, man, when did, he's on. Did you see, uh, what Beatles song was that he just played on his birthday? Uh, I don't know if you, it was all over Facebook. I, I, know, I know the wonderful Matt Porter put Revolution it up. Revolution number nine? No, no, no. It was it was like old school Beatles. Uh, uh, I, I, I I heard he, he he rewrote Revolution number nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's called Pay Me Fifty Grand. <laughs> but it was one of those old. It wasn't like uh, I just saw his face, but it was something something along those veins. That era of the Beatles, and it was so. It was. Oh, so I know good. what song it is. Uh, what's the title? It was. If you know, if you break my heart. No, no, it, was, it wasn't that. But it I wasn't loved, that one? No, but I I'll loved, be back. Yeah, no, when him and when him and Paul did that. No, oh, I that, saw that I saw him do it, too. I saw him do it. On, it's on YouTube. He does it alone with his yeah. solo band. Oh, oh, he did that one? Yeah, it wasn't that. It was another Beatles one, but damn it. And I can't remember, but uh, it was just really good. And you could, you could hear it when he played it, like how much... He loves that music, and, that, and that's the thing about Kiss. I mean, they're hard rock, you know. They're, they're not metal guys. At, at the core, they always wanted to be like the hard rock Beatles, man. And, and they achieved it. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot of bands that you can name every member. Like, I mean, you know, of course, we're dorks and nerds. We can, right. but I'm just saying, the Beatles and Kiss are the only two bands I can think of where you can name every member, like a lot of people can name every member of the band, you know what I mean? Right, and every member had songs. You like, know, you to... know, when we were talking about Foreigner, I'm like, who? You know, other than Lou Graham and Mick Jones, I don't know, none of those guys. Right. Oh, yeah, well, I, I love, uh, you, you know, I'm a huge Blue Oyster Cult fan, you love Blue Oyster Cult, and and Gene was a, was a big fan of Blue Oyster Cult. He really enjoyed their music, but he's like, but can you see a Blue Oyster Cult lunchbox? <laughs> you know? Shit, I could. I would want I, I, one. Well, With that I mean, fucking... I uh, could, you know. Yeah, that'd be awesome. See, that, but but that's a bad example. Blue Oyster Cult were very image-wise. Well, well, yeah, but you know what I'm saying? It's like Blue Oyster Cult. Now, if you had Like a with, foreigner lunchbox would be more appropriate. Right, but but I, I think what he was getting at, like, like Blue Oyster Cult had some amazing album covers, but I think he was talking about just a picture of the band. I mean, you know, it was like oh, yeah, five, yeah. it was five short guys, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I with think, facial I was, hair and shit. Yeah, I think he was talking more the image of the band. I mean, yeah, like by the fucking lunchbox that had the cover of Some Enchanted Evening on it. You know, I'd be like, oh, fucking A, you know? But, uh... Oh, the upside down question mark. Just that alone, yeah, I like Yeah, it, you know? yeah. Still my favorite tattoo. Well, I don't know, Motorhead's a pretty good one, too. But, uh... uh yeah, I mean... My fuck. favorite tattoos are REO 9 Live on my ass. Oh, yeah, very good. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, uh, well, here's a story that I'm really enjoying. <laughs> I'm such a prick. Uh, I love this shit with Tim Gaines versus... Uh, oh, my God, I, this shit's awesome. They're satanic now. <laughs> it's like it. the devil got into Tim Gaines. I love that he told me <laughs> to throw some balls. <laughs> throw some balls. <laughs> <clears throat> you, know, you know the odd thing about Tim Gaines, and you can... Striper, you can equate to Slayer, too, because back in the um, uh, To Hell with the Devil, right. before that album came out, Tim Gaines was out, and they brought another guy in. They even did a photo shoot. And if you recall, Lombardo left Slayer around the same time, too, and came back. Right. 
and they had a, already a replacement, then he ended up coming back. Well, Tim Gaines always seemed to be a problem in Striper for some reason. Right, and I believe he left for a while in the 90s, too. They got back together without him, and then no, they got no. him back well, in. I well, believe. maybe maybe you're right, but I don't think so. I think Striper, as a touring entity, has never had a different member. Uh, now, I know the album Reborn, because I, I know my Striper, bro. Because right. I'm, I'm going to heaven, like you, sir. Oh, yeah. Um, the album Reborn was actually supposed to be a Michael Sweet album that nobody in Striper played on, except right. for Michael Sweet. And, uh, oh, you knew that? Yes, I didn't know oh, that. I'll see you in heaven, buddy. Okay, let's, let's see here. Yes, yes. He, uh, they've had, let's see, a bunch of different bass players. On tour. Um... Well, well, here's the thing. I mean, he was out of the band. They, they, okay. Eric Johnson was their bass player in 82. John Voorhees was their bass player in 83. So those, that's before... Yeah, that doesn't count. Right. Then they had Matt Hurwitz in 1986. See, that's when I told you, to hell with the devil. But Okay. And, th- and then from 2004, this is for six years, from 2004 to 2010, Tracy Ferry... <laughs> Or Ferrari was uh, their bass player. Yeah, because I, I knew he was out for a while and came okay, back. Okay, I, I did uh, not know that. All right, yeah. Yeah, and it shows. Let's see here. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six different times he has come and gone from Striper. Wow. He was with them from 83 to 86, then 86 to 88, then 90 to 93, the 99 to 2001, 2003 to 2004, and then 2010 to 2017. But uh, apparently a big problem is he's getting a divorce. And, and, and Striper's like, no, we're Christian. We don't get divorced. And he's calling them hypocrites because a lot of them are married to women who were previously married. I think he said all of them are married to women who were previously married. Hell, Oz Fox is married to a former porn star. And Oz Fox is divorced, because I remember the, the 86 uh, home video, he was married to some different chick. Right. And uh, and, and then there was also uh, comments that Michael Sweet made, uh, basically kind of like your Kiss Deluded video, where he said Striper is the four of them, and I'll never see, you know, you'll never see Striper without the four of us. And he made that like a few years back. Well... They're going on without him now. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm guilty of that thing too. And, and I, now, said, I said the same thing about Thrasher dying. Look, I, and I'm not even talking. It's sad because I was I wasn't even talking about the original lineup. It was the Ryan Taylor lineup. I was like, any of these people leave, I, I can't go on, and I did. So right. I'm going to hell with Michael Sweet. But you see, here's the thing about Striper: why I love them so much, because I am such a fan of singers, and that guy, man, what an amazing voice. Y'all want to see something very amazing? I saw this on YouTube just last night. I guess they paid him. I don't know. But Michael Sweet went to a wedding. And maybe it's his buddy. I don't know. But he went to a wedding and he sang, you know, one of those gay-ass Striper songs that I really hate. Because Striper had, like, the worst ballads out of any. I mean, I love Striper. but Honestly. Oh, my God. Yeah, Honestly, they have a lot of shitty And let me tell you something. Honestly... At a scale of 1 to 10, I give it like uh, 10 below zero. And believe it or not, they even have worse ballads than that. And uh, I mean, I mean, 
ballads that fucking Barry Manilow would say, what the fuck are you doing? It's so bad, but but his voice, and he did one of those shitty-ass ballads at a wedding, and you punch it up on YouTube, it's amazing the way he sings it, though. Oh, my God, what a fucking voice on him, man. Love, love, love his voice, and what an incredible guitar player. I'll even go as far to say he's better than Oz Fox, and Oz Fox is amazing, but Michael Sweet is a sh fucking shredder, dude. The guy is great. And I, I met him, man. He was very nice. He's very forgetful because I told him, hey, I saw you in Fort Lauderdale in 85, uh, Soldiers on the Command Tour. And he's like, oh, really? We played Fort Lauderdale in 85? I was like, you figure, you know, the first time you played Florida, you remember that, right? You know? But, oh, well. But uh, he was very nice. A nice guy. But I've heard, I've heard stories. There's somebody I know from Las Vegas, and that's where he lives. Right. Say that he's a complete fucking scumbag. And really? That, she never told me exactly. I can find out though. But she says, "Oh, I have stories about him that are just—he's just a terrible person." And I was like, "Ooh." But I'll tell you who's really weird is his brother Robert. Yeah. Robert. Robert seems to be very standoffish now and very like pissed. And I know for a fact that he didn't play on some of those albums, even though he was credited on. It. But he did play on the last one. I understood. But he didn't play, I believe he didn't play on the covers album and the one before that. Ah, shit, I, I, I got off the page, but it there was a huge section where you could see all these people who played studio on Striper. Yeah, well, I um, I know uh, Robert's, uh, Robert, uh, oh fuck, what's Robert Sweet, great drummer too, he plays sideways. Um, uh, I, I think they're just a mega talented band, but you know, I mean, I like them more now. I think their output now is even better because back in the day, even though those hard rocking songs that I love so much, I was a little turned off by the whole Jesus thing. Because not that I'm anti, you know, I'm not like, you know, anti Jesus and don't, but it was just overkill. Too much Jesus, 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 God, Jesus. Now they kind of like allude to it with their songs. They're talking about God and Jesus, but they're not using the word Jesus or God, you know? And I, and I like that much better, you know? <laughs> and speaking of that, have you heard the new Sweet Lynch? I heard a song from it. No, I haven't heard it. Ooh, I think it's even but better than the first album. I, I did like what I heard off that. And and while, you know, I'll fully admit that he can sing good, there's times, sometimes he gets too high where it's almost like a Mark Slaughter, like he sounds to me. Like, you know, when he tries too hard, but overall the guy can't sing, I'll give him that. But uh, I'm looking here at, at drums, and now here it says session. Uh, th there's this guy, Brent Jeffers, and they also said 86 to 90 as turning drummer and keyboards. What? Yeah. And Kenny Arnoff, who's played with fucking everybody, and then he played with Chickenfoot, and I disowned him, uh, played drums on Murder by Pride. Yeah, that album, it had a great cover of Peace of Mind from Boston, but the rest of it was like, eh. Yeah. No, no, wait, no, that's not the album, is it? Yeah, I th yeah, yeah, it was Murder by Pride, I believe. Yeah, that one, it, it had little signs of, all right, they're, they're getting, because that one, Reborn, was just fucking terrible. I mean, terrible. Wasn't that like a new metal album kind of thing or some shit? Uh, yeah, I, I, can't, I, I don't remember exactly. I just remember it was just really bad. I think it was like new metal sounding. But the last two were phenomenal. And that covers album, forget it. Yeah. Good shit. Good fucking shit. 
So uh, I'm a Striper fan. Proud to say I'm a Striper fan and not a religious dude. I like it for the music and uh, and some good shit. And I and Michael Sweet's last solo albums are phenomenal. And I think his solo career has been pretty much shit up to the last album. And look, and the Sweet Lynch shit is great. And you know that he did something with a Dave Mustaine's daughter. I like fingered her or what? Yeah, they, he fucked her in a satanic church. Now, now, I would listen to that. No, it's terrible. It's country. Oh. Oh, they do. They, you know what they do? Oh my God, what's the song? Oh, let me look it up. It's a popular song, and they country. They they made it country. Uh, they did Heart of Gold. The oh, Neil yeah. Young. Yeah, God Neil Young. Damn it. Which, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of a country tinge song at they, the beginning. They, they, they even made it more country. It's not good at all. Uh, they even made a video for it, which I, I never knew existed. I, I was on a Striper kick the other day, and I was looking through Striper videos. I was like, Michael Sweet with Electra Mustaine, you know, and Heart of Gold. And I watched it, and I was like, oh, this is really bad. Though he sings it good, and she sings it good, but the music-wise, it's just terrible. Electra Mustaine. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you figure Electra and Metallica was on Electra Records. And his other son, and his son's called Justice. And then there's Injustice for All. Yeah. You don't give your kid a stripper name. They earn their stripper name. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, I, <laughs> and, and now when I went to go look for the song, there's a YouTube video I got to check out. This guy put up a video that says, Mustaine's, Dave Mustaine and Michael Sweet exposed as satanic sellouts. So I got I got a few I gotta view this later. Oh good lord. See what that's about. Alrighty. Well, that is my last news story. And uh, brother, I know you gotta get ready for your radio show tonight, but I wanna say uh, I am so happy you and your family and all of our extended friends in Florida uh, are, are safe. I know of no uh, fatalities and uh, very happy and there was an amazing outpouring on Facebook. Everybody asking about you. I even, you know, I told you I had a co-worker who listens to our show. The one co-worker of my favorite punk rock girl ever. Uh, she she came up to me the other day. She goes, is Ralph okay? Is his parents oh, cool. okay? She's and single? It, yes, but uh, I don't think she likes you. No, I mean, she loves you, but uh, she likes girls. <laughs> oh, man, I definitely want to see you. <laughs> But she came up and, and 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 asked about you, and I thought that was so. I mean, she like she came in the in our shop in the electrical shop, like slapped the door and said, "Ralph, okay." And I thought that was so nice. And I went and told her today that you had power back on. She was even. She's making a trip to Florida uh, to help people and and get oh, supplies awesome. and stuff. And she wanted to know where you live because she wanted to bring you uh, supplies and stuff. And I said, "I believe he's okay," but th- yeah. that is. So sweet That's of very, you. Very, very, very sweet of her. Uh, yes. I, 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 I'm going to say it anyway, even though I don't mean it now. But I was going to say, well, since you're coming to Florida, baby. What's her name? <laughs> her name is Bridget. Hey, Bridget, since you're coming to Florida, baby, check it out. I know you're, t- you're into chicks, but technically, my great-grandmother was, like, Chinese. So there's, I ain't packing much. So, <laughs> so it'd be like being with a chick. My penis is like a belly button in any, in any belly button. So come on, hook that up. I'm kidding. I'm kidding because you were going to bring me supplies and you're fucking awesome. Thank you. And hey, I like I got some hot chicks. I can hook you up. But you got to let me film it. <laughs> she's she's very happily uh, involved. <laughs> oh, then she is. She is taken. Yes, yes, she All is right, taken. Cool, man. Is, do, do, is, her, is her girlfriend into dudes? 
<laughs> no. Oh, man, I can't get in there anywhere. <laughs> no. You're, you're just, until you get the funk out of your apartment, you're just fucked. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you, Bridget. And uh, what's her name? Bridget Electra? Yeah. Well, well, we'll just we'll just say Bridget because we. No, and, and I really. Hey, no, and let me say this. I really do appreciate the concern, asking for me, and I really, I mean, honestly, that that really makes me feel good that a complete stranger was worried about how I'm doing. And, and thank you so much. And now I'm gonna go back to being a dickhead. <laughs> uh, but but yes, a lot of people showed love and, and concern for you, and uh, and, and I'm oh, yeah. glad. I'm glad we were able to keep our streak alive. Yes, and and, and, I, and I do want to thank everybody because I got countless messages, a lot from our listeners like Vincent Cavanaugh and Cab- Cabbage Patch. What's his name? Vincent Cavanaugh. Um, <coughs> a lot of those people, man, you know, they were all writing me, hey, are you okay? Are you okay? And, and I really do appreciate, oh, that one guy, TJ, did like five posts. We're out, please reply. And I and he was even pissing people off, like, shut up, Brady! I was like, no, no, you shut up. This poor guy's a fucking concern about me. So thank you, TJ. Thank you, everybody out there that had a lot of concern for me. But the thing is that I couldn't die for you. <laughs> so without further ado, let's get to something I can never forgive Ralph for. Oh, let's... fuck you. <laughs> fuck you with that bullshit. You know, you know for damn sure... That they, they, you, you you didn't go through even a quarter of the torment I went through the cure for this. You know it and I know it, so shut up. <laughs> shut your mouth. All right, now we're going to review the 1979 REO Speedwagon album, Nine Lives, and it was my idea, and uh, Ian's mad at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this ain't, this ain't my fucking idea. <laughs> yeah, Ian is not mad. But, you know, I have a feeling, you know, like, the people out there, that either know Aria or are aware of it, you know, are going to dig this episode and not dig what Ian says. And people that don't know, and maybe what you hear in the background, you're going to dig because I think it's a really killer hard rock album. And, uh, but you know, I mean, it was from my time. So, you know, the same, Ian can't get into it just like I can't get into, like, you know, Vane and shit that he likes, you know, because that was from his time. So, um, <clears throat> Uh, I'll t- I, <laughs> Ian, tell us how you discovered this album like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I discovered this like fucking... I, I was happy though when I saw it was over like 34 minutes. I was like, oh, cool. You know, <laughs> at least it's not long. Uh, you know, I, I grew up with Ario, you know, from the radio. And uh, I liked the 70s stuff I heard. Like, I loved uh, Ride the Storm out. That Roll With The Changes wasn't a bad song. But all this goddamn I can't fight this feeling anymore fucking shit, uh, that shit's just fucking horrible. And it kind of reminds me, uh, they remind me of Sticks a lot. You know, where there was a period where they were a little bit more rock, but then the lead singer took them in a total pansy direction. And uh, I think it's the same thing here, you know. Uh, Kevin Cronin just ruining this fucking band. Well, I, I don't know if he ruined it, because it, it, it ain't all that great to begin with, if you ask me. But, uh, you know, at least I liked a few songs. But I, I went into this review uh, open-minded, because I didn't know any of the songs. I was like, well, you know what? Since I, I saw it 79, I was like, I do like the 70s shit that I heard. So maybe, uh, you know, Ralph will really surprise me here. And, uh, yeah. 
We'll find out when we get into it. But I also want to note that my buddy's dad was the original bass player for Ario Speedwagon. And he quit the band. They started as a college band. And he quit to finish. I mean, yeah, he quit the band to finish college because he didn't think the band was going to go anywhere. But uh, he was wrong. <laughs> you know, well, they sold rec- They sold records for a while. Well, the thing is that uh, he was half right and half wrong because this band struggled a lot um, before they they you know it was they got moderate success on the, the live album and and I believe this album the one before it went gold but it wasn't until right. um, High Infidelity where it just fucking blew up and, uh, and 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 the reason that High Infidelity did become as big as it did yeah it had its sappy ballads and everything but you know, Ario Speedwagon, believe it or not, before High Fidelity was a very well-respected touring hard rock band. And and uh, believe me, like you know, when I was a kid, you know, in the '70s, like they were very heralded as you know a hard-working Midwest band, kind of like the same as Cheap Trick. They both come from the, the same area, and uh, even though there's some reports that they come from California, which is bullshit, there. A Chicago-based band, and um, well, well, they 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 come from uh, they actually come from Peoria, which is southern Illinois. Well, that's, that's where they yeah that's what they, 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 they 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 started uh, you know college band University of Illinois is, is in southern Illinois, but yeah they did uh, they were well known around there, and uh, but uh, no cheap trick. <laughs> well, <laughs> but no, I, I, I agree with you there. You know, I you are you are right. I mean, I mean, they did have a reputation of. Uh, you know, they, they played everywhere. Yeah. You know. They were a very hard rocking band, and, you know, they would play like, you know, they were like one of those theater bands, you know, because, um, uh, they, you know, Judas Priest opened for them at one point, and uh, when they, I, I believe that was the first band they toured with when they came to the stage was uh, REO. And um, yeah, it was just a, a very well-respected band, and Gary Richroth was on the cover of many magazines back then, and... Harold is one, an amazing guitar player, which is sad, you know, when he died, it was like nobody even remembered him, you know, which is really sad, except for, you know, people like me. But um, this album, he's all over this album. And I, I, I honestly feel this is their heaviest album, uh, Nine Lives. And that's why I did pick it, because I figure the, the fans of uh, hard rock and uh, metal if any album would, uh, they'd get into with REO, I'd say really too, uh, the live album and and this one, but you know, we're not gonna review a live album. Uh, so, um, all right, well, I'll, I'll throw it to you, Ian, so we'll get the uh, counterpoint and point. Uh, take the opening <coughs> track, um, Heavy on Your Love. Heavy on Your Love, uh, not bad. This one wasn't, this gave me hope. I was like, okay. Okay, I mean nothing, uh, nothing real great, but uh, it it didn't annoy me. Let, let's say that. And there was some really good guitar from uh, Gary Richrath on this song. Uh, that, that's one, uh, you know, positive thing I have to say about it. The damn fine solo, and uh, and not a bad bad song. Period. De- decent to open up an album. You know, at least it didn't suck. That's what I gotta say on that. All right. Yeah, I think it's a fucking smoking tune probably the best song on the album and uh 
killer riff, but that nasty in, uh, introduction to his guitar solo. I was like, I don't know what the fuck sound that is. Uh, it's just a fucking heavy song. Kevin, I think, sings his ass off. And uh, contrary to what uh, Ian might think, I, I, I think back then, Kevin Cronin was was a fucking great songwriter. And, uh, you know, the funny thing about Kevin Cronin was um, he didn't appear on the first album, but he appeared on the second album. Uh, which is another great album, Mario 2. I love the first one, too, with Terry Luttrell, which uh, he went on to uh, form a band called Starcastle, where recently, uh, I mean, not even two months ago, I found a Starcastle uh, album for like a buck. <laughs> Starcastle. Yeah, yeah. So I, I found I found a Starcastle album for a buck. And I was like, oh, let me give it a chance. Oh, my God, it was like one of the worst things I ever heard in my life. Every time you say Star Castle, I hear like little angel bells, like yeah. Star Castle. Look at and and, and yeah, and the, and the album cover is like a cloud with a castle on it. <laughs> Super stupid. And they actually made a second album. I, I was like, I ain't gonna bother to fucking listen to that. One. <laughs> first band on the clouds. But it sounds nothing like the very first. See, the very first REO album. Maybe maybe you should listen to that one because that one is very deep purple. And it doesn't have Kevin Cronin. So, uh, yeah. and, and there's actual footage on YouTube. They played a PBS show where they played like a couple tracks off that album or with the original singer. And they were much more, yeah, I, I would say like, you know, in rock era, uh, Deep Purple sounding at that time. But Kevin Cronin came on the second album. Oh man, I'm passing gas. And, and, um, and he, he added an element of melody and songwriting and second album was really good. But then they went in, this is something very rare too. They went in and recorded this, the, the third album, which is Riding the Storm Out. And they recorded it and everything. And then they fired Kevin Cronin after he recorded the album. And there is an album, you know, that album cover that you see of, of Riding the Storm Out. They're all sitting in a room. They actually uh, superimposed their new singer on it, who's fucking terrible. I forgot what that McDonald sound. He sounded worse. It wasn't like he was like riding the storm out. Mike Murphy. Mike Murphy. Mike Murphy. Yeah, riding the storm out. It was so, and he's got that big ass Steely Dan mustache and shit, you know. And and it's just terrible. And they and they held on for that guy for like. Four albums, like they did. Uh, let's see if I can. Uh, you get no. What is it? I, I forget. He did a uh, Lost in a Dream, uh, one with this chick on the cover. Uh, I forgot the name of that album. And I believe there. Well, no, it was those three albums. Yeah. This and time they, we meant it. Yeah, this time we meant it. And that the, terrible. It's just, I don't know, man. Those albums, I don't even give a chance because the, the singing is so bad. And then. Uh, they brought Kevin Cronin back, and they did the REO album, uh, which had Keep Pushing, which was a, you know, but that album did nothing. It was like a flop. And then they released the live album, and which features no songs from the Mike Murphy era at all. And uh, then, you know, you can see the piano in Nine Lives, and that's what we come up to do. So, um... And I really enjoy, I love every album he did with Ario up to that point. I will give you this, and I am a fan of High, High Fidelity. I, I really do love that album. And Good Trouble had a couple okay tracks, but man, 
by the time like the wheels are turning, holy crap, did they become shit. I mean, everything after wheels are turning that I've heard, because I haven't really like dwelled into anything else after that. It's just terrible. There was one album I bought after the wheels are turning. This ain't love or something. Fucking yeah. terrible. I mean, they just became such a terrible band. And then soon after that, our, uh, Gary was kicked out of the band for you know an alcoholic. But you see, the thing is, Gary Richrath was a very big, predominant part of that band. And then as uh, the hit single started to come because of Kevin Cronin, he became pushed to the back, and uh, and he didn't seem too happy, and he didn't really hear the the, the Gary Richrath swagger uh, on the later albums. But uh, anyway, so yeah, Heavy on Your Love, great song. Uh, then we go into Drop It, which is the next one, which again I think is a great fucking follow-up to Heavy on Your Love, keeping the hard rock motif. It's a very rocking tune uh, with a great... I mean, the band is just like so gelled with the, with the keyboards and, and the little... That, 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 those fucking riffs and that piano playing of Neil Downey is so good. I mean, I think that guy's a great fucking keyboardist, piano player. And it's just a rocking good tune. Drop it, it's an old disguise. What do you think? Oh, uh, what a fucking turd is this shit. Uh, drop this fucking song is what they should have done. And man, that Neil Daltrey dude, I, I think he's one of the worst things about the band. I can't stand that boogie-woogie shit he does. And I just want to slam the fucking uh, piano cover down on his fucking fingers. <laughs> I, I I think he almost bothers me more than fucking uh, uh, Kevin Cronin, and that's saying something because Kevin Cronin really gets on my last fucking nerve. Uh, yeah, this this song is horrible, but at least it's short. And uh, he is the only original member left in the band today. He's still in the band. True story. And at that time when uh, this was going on, he was a major cocaine addict uh, during this year, which you can kind of tell when he's playing because he's kind of fast. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Anyway, this, I guess we're gonna breeze through this album because you really don't know much about it. You've only lived with it for like an hour. Uh, the next one, I believe, was a single because I remember hearing it on the radio back then. And it's um, only the strong survive. I don't have notes or anything, but I'm pretty sure I'm on track, right? Uh, yeah. And but I don't see anything saying anything was released as a single. The only thing I know is. This was this would later uh, reappear on Gary Richrath's solo album. Yeah. Titled titled only the strong survive. Yeah. But there's nothing there's nothing as far as any singles released from this. Oh okay. Well, it was a radio. It was released on radio because I remember hearing uh, two songs from this album on the radio a lot back then, and this was one of them. And uh, here's where it got a little more melodic, but it's still you know it's still hard rocking. Uh, I think it's, I, I, I know you don't like this, but um, it's a little more melodic with uh, the melody kind of be, having a little, I don't know, like a catchiness to it. And uh, I think it's fucking great. I think it's an amazing song, uh, which is, uh, I don't know, I don't know what to say about it. I like the little riffs and shit. It's just a happy, fun. This is my hair metal, dude. So yeah, I, I, I love, I love it. I love it. Uh, and, and now I understand how much you hate my hair metal and my cock rock because 
that's that, that's how I feel about some of your music. Now, I like more of your music in this classic rock era than, than you probably like my cock rock shit. But listening to this stuff, I can only imagine that <clears throat> you like it because it has to do with, uh, you know, you remember your childhood and something special. Because I know there's a lot of cock rock that I'm like that with. I, I know it's really not that good, but it always takes me back somewhere and it makes me smile and I enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, some of it. I'm sorry, but I, I still feel this is very good. I don't. Yeah. I don't see nothing bad. I can't say one thing bad about this stuff. Yeah. yeah well, that, that's why I'm here. Uh, holy shit! This sounds like 38 Special with full blown AIDS. This is. <laughs> <Yo>. <laughs> this this is fucking. This is fucking terrible. I mean, this is like really bad. Uh, but I, I kind of get that kind of like 38 special vibe from it, but not nearly as good. And, you know, I don't even think 38 special is that great. I mean, I like a couple songs, but it, it just reminds me of some generic AOR fucking FM crap with like no thought put into the fucking song, you know? And I can kind of see why none of this was a hit or nobody talks about it other than uh, hardcore uh, REO fans. They're just... I'm not hearing any fucking tunes on this fucking album. And, and funny enough, uh, even hardcore REO fans never point to this album. That's why I wanted to review it because I felt like it's so under the radar, even our hardcore REO fans. But then again, I mean, most our hardcore REO fans I encounter online are really yeah. into like high infidelity and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and they're women. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, you, you know, I was I was hoping that I was gonna find like a new uh, riding the storm out, you know, or there was gonna be a roll with the chair, you know. I was waiting for something, uh, but man, uh, three songs into this, man, and I have not fucking heard it yet. Well, but uh, yeah, go ahead. I, I gotta tell you, uh, the next song makes the last song sound better. Holy fucking shit! Easy money. <laughs> Oh my god, it starts out, it sounds like monkeys fucking. Yeah. And fucking wood blocks and fucking, I don't know what, a xylophone, I don't know what the fuck, but just a mishmash of shit. And uh, my notes is, this is really bad music. Just, I, I mean, just nothing uh, redeeming about this. And even as I'm looking, you know, I'm reading notes on, on Wikipedia about the album, and I, you know, I'm looking at the, the who wrote it. And I'm seeing it's a it's a rich rast song, so I'm thinking, hey, maybe this will be a you know a harder edge one, you know, not you know not a Cronin fucking ballad. But you, Gary Richrath can't save this fucking shit, man. This this is really really bad, and I I question, you know, but and and again, it goes back to like when I play a Bane song I really like, and you really fucking hate it. That's like this, because you can't see what in the world I see in that song, right. and that's how I'm with this. I can't see one redeeming fact, and knowing you and knowing what you like, I, I, I mean, this really blows, I can, I can understand you liking ABBA more than I can understand what this does to you. I mean, really, I'm just drawing a fucking blank here. I, I'm really mesmerized that you, you like this. Love it. I love this fucking song. And oh yeah, my God. The, the beginning of it with all those little fucking sound effects. Yeah, it goes. It, it's part of the lyrics because it's a song about getting busted in an airport in Colombia with coke, and says it in the lyrics. And uh, 
I just think it's a great fucking another good hard rocking tune with with melody and melodic and the shit I love. It's just it it, it encompasses everything I love about R.E.S.B. Wagon in this one fucking song. So I yeah I, I say don't even listen to the earlier shit. But this song is fucking great. I love it. I think it's hard rocking. I love Kevin Cronin's uh, vocals toward the end where he's like, easy money. Uh, and uh, it's just jamming, man. It's just a jamming fucking track. And wow. uh, I love it. Easy money. Now, one thing I will say about easy money, the one thing that has eluded me forever, and I have yet to this day seen it, but I finally found there's a couple REO Speedwagon things I saw back in the day that you can't find anywhere. And that was uh, REO Speedwagon on Don Kirsch's rock concert where they performed this song and uh, a couple other tracks off this album. And I have never seen it ever since. It's not on YouTube. It's nowhere to be found. If anybody can find that shit for me, I would love it. And there was uh, another thing I could never find was... Uh, a great song off of Good Trouble called Still Me For The Night, which finally, some, I'm, I'm part of a Facebook page called Remembering Gary Richrath, and this fucking guy put up a, a special that MTV had that I remembered that special too, where they had every video from Good Trouble on it, and I finally got a hold of it, but I still haven't found the REO performing Easy Money on Don Kirshner, though, I did find on eBay, believe it or not, like, I don't know, it's been like maybe 10 years now, there was a guy that was selling a bootleg pro shot show from Germany of the Nine Live Store where they do perform this song. And, uh, oh my God, I love it. All right, I'll go on to the next one, which is rock and roll music, right? Chuck Berry too? Yeah. All yeah. right, this one, I'll tell you this now. And, 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 and uh, this is one that really was... Really hasn't aged well. <laughs> I mean, I, I never really pointed at this. You know, it was like whatever. It was a good song. It kept it kept the momentum going from side one. Because I feel like side one has no balance. It's all rocking songs. Uh, some melodic, but it's still rocking. So they ended it with rock and roll music because they had like a they they did a Chuck Berry song on the live album and on the second album called Little Queen, uh, and then they did it on here too. I love the guitar playing on it. I love the instrumental of it, but I don't feel listening to it now. It really does. It's like one of the. No, there's actually a track really bad on this album. Uh, I will admit, but uh, and I still like, and I like it the same reason you like Vane. See, there is one song I'll tell you. Okay, I can understand how this song sucks, but I love it because of my youth. But this is one that. I don't hate it though, don't get me wrong, I don't hate it, but I just feel like it's a throwaway cover. And uh, whatever. It's, but you know, it's them saying, hey, let's do a Chuck Berry song and let's amp it up a little bit so it can stay, you know, hard rocking like the, the rest of Side One. Uh, but, you know, I can take it or leave it. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know where you get all this hard rocking. Because <laughs> I hear like just hard cocking. This is. No, no, terrible. don't, please, look. You can say what you want about REO, but do not, uh, do not fucking put it into the cock rock. No, That's, no, it's it, no, it's it's not. No, I, I just meant cock. Is, it, it sucks. I mean, there's nothing hard rock. I was waiting for some hard rock. To me, there's nothing. The only thing you can say that's remotely hard rock is there's an amplified guitar. I, I, I mean, and, but goddamn, this cover. What what a fucking uh, 
what an abortion. They should be ashamed to do this to a great Chuck Berry song. Now, the Beatles did a damn fine cover of it. But other than that, you know, other than the Beatles and Chuck Berry, nobody else should do this fucking song. It just sounds corny. And it really reminds me of uh, when Poison did uh, Rock and Roll All Night on the Less Than Zero soundtrack, I think it was. It's that, it's that fucking bad. That fucking bad. I mean, it is. I, I thought this album could not get any worse from the first four songs. And then I heard this one. I was like, good fucking lord, man. This is, I mean, just horrible, 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 horrible. I cannot say enough bad things about this cover of rock and roll music. Good Lord. Flip this fucker over. All right, you go. Go ahead. Take, take <clears> that <throat> one. Take me. All right. Can this album get any worse? Um, this one ain't bad. I, I got to say, this one is not horrible. To me, it sounds like a Kenny Loggins B-side. Uh, and, you know, that's... I, I really can't hate it too much. It's it's not bad. I mean, but to me, it's still it's it's about as hard rocking as Kenny Loggins. Like, if you want to call, you know, this is it by Kenny Loggins hard rocking, then then this is hard rocking music to me. I mean, I don't know. I say hard rocking to me is ACDC. That's hard rock. You know, this is uh, this is you know Bob Seger to me is harder than this. Uh, this is uh, it, it would be like hard soft rock if there's such a thing I don't know uh, but this one isn't bad so far uh, this one would be tied with the with the first song of songs that least suck alright well I wouldn't categorize this song as hard rock uh, side one I feel very hard rock this one I feel is fucking awesome I love Take Me it's got that you can tell they're a midwestern band I could, I could hear, you see, Kevin Cronin, before he was an REO, was uh, like a folk singer. And I think that's what he brought to this band, was his folk songs. And they, you know, they added, like, you know, the guitar, the electricity to it. And I feel like this is one of those type of songs that he writes. And uh, I think it's great. I think it has this really good Midwestern feel to it. And uh, I love the vocal melodies. And I just, <coughs> I just love it. I think there's a there's a vibe to this song with the acoustic guitar, you know, Kevin fucking strumming that acoustic, you know, and it just gives it this really good, cool edge to it. It's uh, there's an ambiance to the song, and uh, I really love this song. Uh, I don't know. It's probably my second favorite on this. You, you saying this sounds a Midwestern, I'd take offense to that, being a proud uh, guy from the Midwest. That'd be like me saying Bang Tango sounds very Cuban. <laughs> don't chalk us all up with this. Oh lord! I don't hear but, trumpets and shit like that. Well, then again, I don't know. You know more bang tango than I do. <laughs> no, we know about the same. <laughs> yeah. I just like it. I just like it, and you don't. Yeah, there you go. Right, so keep that in mind, kids. Ian likes bang tango. So. I like that. What's the song? No one like you. I think that is a fine cock rock jam. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, but yeah, yeah, this one I gotta say, take take me wasn't wasn't that bad. And by the way, uh, uh, I, I'm a guy that has a cock, and I take very big offense to you saying it's cock rock. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next one, I need you tonight. Yeah, this is the one. This is the one I was oh, talking about. Yeah, this oh is terrible. Oh my god, this is terrible. I, I almost literally, literally, dude, I almost spit out my beer when he started singing. Because I was, I oh, 
he, he did something to his voice on this song, and I think it's like layered the vocals, but it, it it's like layers and layers of pussy. I mean, it was it was so bad. So I just took a sip of beer and about to spit the motherfucker out. Like, what in the fuck is this? Good God! Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm glad this restores a little bit of faith. Uh, and I'm glad you don't not like. I need it tonight. Uh, definitely the worst song on the album. Where nostalgically, I dig it like you like Bane and Bang Tango. Well, I don't know. Right. Maybe he's, maybe you think Bang Tango is a good song. Right? That that song. Uh, someone like you. I do I do think that's a good song. Yeah, I really don't think this is a good song at all, actually. I think it's it's terrible. But <laughs> I, there's something about it, though, that I guess, like, you know, because back in the day, it wasn't CDs. You know, you could just skip a track. You'd have to sit there and listen to it. I don't like to lift the needle a lot. I don't like record, record, records, you know? Because uh, back then, my record player, you couldn't fucking lift it with a little, you know, arm or something. You had to do it with your finger, so I, you know, I'd have to let it play, but, and I've heard it, I've heard this album so many times, and here's the funny thing, like, ever since this album came out, I have probably listened to this album at least a dozen times every year, I listen to this album a lot. Did you listen to it today? No, I didn't, but when I told, I told you, I think it was about two weeks ago, let's review it, I didn't listen to it that. Okay. Uh, I was listening to it in my car, and I was like, oh, I want to review this, because I, I know, I know there's going to be some people out there, you know, like, wait, hold on, hold on, Here, here's another review for that song, all right, but, um, but I know, like I said, like I said, uh, on my very first review, the Black Sabbath review, I said, if I can turn one person on uh, to, to this album, then it's worth it, so... I'm keeping my fingers crossed. At least one motherfucker out there is gonna like this. Uh, but you know, I mean, I know there's REO fans uh, that listen to this because I posted REO stuff on uh, on on the page, and people love it. There's some people that love that REO stuff, and then there's people like you, you know, someone like you. <laughs> That's right. But uh, yeah, this is garbage. This is a, a total throwaway tune. This is one that's like, hey, look, uh, we only got like 28 minutes. We need another song. Hey, I got one, guys. This is this little folk song I got. How can I know you? And Neil Downey like really needed to buy Glow. He's like, come on, let's play it. Let's play it. <laughs> <laughs> so they played it, you know. But yeah, it's it's really hokey and terrible. And but I like it. I like it for pure nostalgia reasons. Like you like Zane. There you go. I like Cop. Yes. <laughs> All right, so the next one's called Meet Me on the Mountain, right? Yes. All right, Meet Me on the Mountain. Uh, this is a song that, I don't. there's something really strange about this song for me. Because it has all these elements I love about REO all over the song, but for some reason, it doesn't grab me like the rest of the album. So I, I would have to say, but I, I do, it has a lot of cool shit on it. And it's kind of like, you know, uh, again, you know, uh, I'm sorry if I fed you. A very uh, Midwestern vibe <laughs> to it. And, uh, you know, I'm talking about like, you know, like, uh, meet me on the mountain on the wind. I don't even know the lyrics anymore. I never really studied this one. But it, it, it's okay. I mean, it, it's one of those songs where, okay, I can deal with it. Unlike the last one, which I did, I got. The last one I had to deal with it. 
this one was like, okay, I'm dealing with it, but, you know, I don't have to, but, you know, it, it wasn't a struggle for me to get through this song, but there's something about this song that doesn't grab me. Uh, I don't know what it is, and it's weird because it, it has everything I love about REO in this song. So it's a very weird situation. What do you think? Uh, well, I kind of have to agree with you there because it, it didn't grab me either. <laughs> but uh, but it's one of those things while, while this song is playing, you know, I, I'm doing other stuff for the episode. Uh, you know, I'm thinking, okay, who's fan of the week? What's my pick of the week? Who's on next week? And before I even got done thinking, I realized, oh, shit, this song's almost over. And, and, and that's because it's like sometimes when I'm doing reviews, there's a song like that that's just so bland that, you know, it, it, it's not so horrible that it, you know, demands your attention. Like, wow, this is really offensive, like the rest of this album. But there was nothing either that, like, made me turn my head and go, wait a minute, which track is this? You know, it's just one of those, like, oh, shit, a song just played. And uh, normally I say that's even worse, because there's, like, no reaction. But uh, it, it was actually welcomed on this fucking album. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, definitely not the worst on here, but a very, like, bland, very bland song, even for REO. All right. What do you think of the last song? Last song. Uh, now, this one is not sung by Kevin Cronin. But uh, written and sung by bass player Bruce Hall. That's back on the road again. This is the longest song on the album. Uh, coming in at 5 minutes and 39 seconds. Also happens to be the best song on the fucking album. Holy shit, I like this one. I really like this one. I, I have not one bad thing to say about it. Uh, if there is a bad thing, it's... Hey, they should have let this guy sing the whole fucking album. He's better than Kevin Cronin. He re I, I think he's got a better voice, way better voice. Now, this song sounded like a cool hard rock, and to me, this has got some Midwest swagger to it. You know, some fucking, you know, working class, like Bob Seger kind of shit. You know? Uh, I, I really dug this is a song. I would say I would go back and listen to it again, but I already deleted this fucking album. Uh, but... I actually, I, I did like this song. I, I, I honestly did. Best song on the album by far, Bruce Hall. Uh, you should leave these hacks and put out a solo album. Well, he did sing songs on later albums that weren't good. Believe me. Trust yeah. me. Trust me. For me to say it's not good, you're probably going <laughs> to really bad. Uh, listen to fucking uh, The Girl with a Heart of the Gold. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> and the next album had a song called uh, uh, I Need You To No, not I Need You That was the song that prepared. I Want Someone Tonight Which I, I kind of like Which I know you want But this is the fan favorite This was the staple This was the most popular tune on the album That was played a lot On the radio back then and Oh, I can see that And something that you I'm sure you didn't notice About this song And nobody ever notices this About this song Nobody ever points it But that's the same fucking riff on Beat It. The same fucking riff. It's the same fucking riff. Yeah. Anyway, um, yes, a great song. And, this, and here, here's the thing I love about 70s Hard Rock, and it's in this song. It's one of those songs where it's rocking, and then at the end, like the, uh, the second half of the song is a fucking guitar solo. 
Molly Hatchet would do it, Leonard Skinner. I love songs like this, where it's just, I mean, that's gotta be a smoking solo, it's gotta be great. But it's one of those songs where it's a good fucking heavy tune, and then it goes into like fucking two, three minutes of a guitar solo. <laughs> and Gary just rips on it, and I think it's a fucking phenomenal song. I uh, love it. I love this song too. Um, best song on the album? I don't know. I, I, you know what? I'd probably, I'd probably say "Take Me" and uh, and the first song would be like my favorite. Uh, th- th- those, well, the funny, those two and this one are the only three I, I liked on this. But well, you see, that's eight. not that bad considering, <clears throat> you know, how, how terrible this album is. There were three songs that you tolerated. Yeah, and like I like I said, you know, the first one, uh, "Heavy on Your Love." Not bad, but not but but didn't offend me like most of the album did. Take me, and like I said, it kind of like Kenny Loggins, and I like some Kenny Loggins, but uh, but this one, this one, I really liked. But you know, you were making me think and laugh when you were talking about you know seventy songs and how it could you know take this weird turn into a guitar solo at the end, and it just made me think. You know, as the day we're recording this, I just got done doing my radio show earlier today. And Eli Miller requested uh, Triumph, the rock and roll machine. Oh, yeah, I heard you goofing on that one. Oh, my God. And, and the song started, uh, you know, like, hey, I didn't mind it. This is a pretty good song. But then it goes into one of the worst guitar solos I've ever heard in my life. It was I, like I, I made a spinal tap joke in the middle of the song because, I mean, it was that, like, just clunky. And, and bad and clumsy and I, I know that guy can play guitar but that was a really bad solo but I would just laugh while that song was going I was like no this is the kind of shit that killed 70s rock and like long guitar solos and stuff because it was it was about as bad as most drum solos are uh, but, I, I, I love that guitar solo but I, I felt like it was unnecessary to be unaccompanied I think that that's that solo in rock and roll machine would have been great if the whole band was playing along. Yeah, because uh, it would have covered it up. <laughs> yeah, it would have covered up the clunkiness. I do agree yeah. with you. It yeah. does sound it sounds beneath Rick Emmett. It does yeah. sound, but I dig it. I dig it because again, nostalgic reasons. But yeah. I can I hear what you're saying. It's not. It's very flawed, you know. Yeah. And uh, but there are there are pieces of brilliance in it too, where he sounds really good. Doing a solo, but then there's some of it that's just, eh. yeah. which you know that that shit should be live, not not on records, you know. Yeah, and, not, you it's know, not a rupture. Yeah, I, I I mean I know we're getting off here because now we're talking about Triumph, but it's kind of like, you know, the, this album almost reminds me of that Triumph album uh, that we reviewed that I really wasn't a fan of, but you know, there's a few songs I love, but I have respect for Triumph. Uh, I mean, of course, a lot more than than REO, but. It's one of those things where I like a handful of songs, but I've yet to hear an album that grabs me, you know? Well, you're going to have to get me back, because later on I want to review a Sticks album. Oh, man, so so that, that'll be two I got to get you with. And I, I, I know I can't pick, uh, I know I can't pick Fade No More, but I'm going to find something. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, go ahead. Give me Cock Rock, just not Fade No More. Whatever you do, <laughs> no Fade No More. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, sorry listeners out there that get upset with me, because I don't want to review that shit. <laughs> Yeah, I, no, I won't do that. But I'm, I'm yeah, gonna find something. I'm gonna find something. Oh, you're... but you can't have it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that guy's voice grates on me like Kevin Cronin grates on you. Oh. Fuck him. Fuck Mr. Bungle. Fuck Mike Patton. He sucks. <laughs> Thank you. All righty. Well, would, do you have anything to say in closing? 
on uh, nine lives here. I'm right and you're wrong. Oh, okay. Hey. All right. Well, this was released July 20th, 1979. Produced by Kevin Cronin, Gary Richrath, and Kevin Beamish. I did not uh, know that. It, it went to number 33 on the Billboard 200 charts. And uh, much like Ralph said, uh, you know, it wasn't a big album for them, but they would, you know, the next year with High Infidelity, they would become huge, huge radio staples. And I, and I do want to say this, too. I forgot to mention this. On the dawn of MTV, MTV would, would they showed a concert called Live Infidelity, and the two tracks that were played the most on MTV from that show, because, you know, they had the Saturday Night Concert, but they would also show a, a song or two during... No, actually, there were three songs they played a lot, or maybe four. But the two songs they played a lot from uh, this album was uh, Back on My Feet Again and uh, Only the Strong Survive. They were, you know, this was back in the day when MTV didn't have many videos. At the dawn, when MTV first came out, that shit was like... Um, played constantly, so you'd see uh, uh, Only the Strong Survive, and and that, and I do own that Gary Richrath album, and uh, the Only Strong Survive, I don't really like it on there. It's okay, but I, I don't really like it, but it doesn't um, have Ken and Crow and Singer, so uh, I recommend you to check it out. You might like it. Alrighty. Well, uh, whew. Let's go into pick of the week, shall we? All right. Do you have a pick of the week? Yeah, I'm gonna stay with REO. Um, I wanna, I wanna pick the second album, uh, REO Two, which I don't know, man. Maybe we should have reviewed that one. I think that one may have been a little better for you, uh, because it was a little more, less polished is a good word to use for it. Songs like "Like I Do," "Like You Do," and uh, "Being Kind Can Hurt Someone Sometimes," and. Uh, and, and, and the epic, epic, epic song, uh, Golden Country, which I feel is their greatest song ever, um, which is even better on the live album. Uh, that is my pick of the week. It's the very first album with Kevin Cronin, and I think it's great. I, I think, you know, if I could pick another one, I'd say the first two REOs, because uh, the first the first one's very hard, very deep purplish, and, uh, and very, it's just awesome. I think both of those albums are fucking awesome. Uh, that's my pick of the week. REO 2. TWO is called. All right. Well, unlike Ralph, I care about you, the listener. And I'm going to steer you in the right direction. <laughs> uh, my pick of the week is the new album from Overkill, The Grinding Wheel. And I just saw him as when we recorded this, I just saw him the night before. An incredible, incredible show. Uh, if you get a chance to see him, you know, this was my first time seeing him, and who knows if I'll ever get to see him again, because this was only the second time. I knew they hadn't played New Orleans since 96, but I didn't realize that was only the first time they ever played New Orleans. So it, they, they tour a lot uh, the East Coast, you know, but and, and they always go to Europe. But man, if you get a chance to see him, go see him, because this new album, The Grinding Wheel, I think is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, I like... There's one song I'm kind of like, eh, about, but I still like it. I just don't like the chorus. And every other song, I, I love on the fucking album, man. It's amazing. Uh, definitely recommend it. Uh, you know, people who, who, maybe in the past, you didn't give Overkill a chance because of, uh, you know, uh, Blitz's voice. I know that's the thing. A lot of people have an issue with that. 
But if anything, I think his voice has gotten better over the years. It's almost more of like a, almost sounds like an Udo to me now. But uh, but man, really good. The band's on fire. Uh, grinding wheel, overkill. My pick of the week. I'm not saying this because you hate Ario, dude, but I'm not feeling it, dude. I'm not feeling really? that one. I thought it started really good with Mean Green, Killing Machine, and Goddamn Trouble. I like those two songs a lot. And then there's another song. I can't remember the name of it. It, so- it doesn't sound thrash at all. It sounds kind of traditional metal. Oh, uh, uh, heavy is uh, something heavy. I'm not, I, even if you say the name, because it's so new to me. Uh, but right. again, you know, um, I, I haven't lived with it enough. I, I think I've only listened to it uh, in its entirety two times. And uh, those are, there's only three songs that really grabbed me. I felt like a lot of it was just too long and plotting. But you know what? I, I, I'll give it more chances, you know. But I highly recommend you don't give Nine Live more chances. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I have heard a lot of people love it. I have heard like two other bad reviews uh, of it. But uh, I, I think it kicks ass. Uh, Red, White, Blue is another great one. I, I, uh, I, I, well, then again, I'll give it another chance. But uh, I am very happy with White Demo Armory. And, you know, every, every fucking overkill on my love. And this is not a terrible album. I just felt like, you know, there's a couple of overkill albums that I listen to that I don't really go back on. Like, I don't listen to Killbox anymore or, or Killing Kind. And, I mean, I, I'm aware of those albums, but, you know, they're not just one. There's no, they're not go-to albums. Right. Well, Killing Kind is universally, everybody says that's their, their worst album. I've heard a lot of people complain about Necroshine, and I like that album. Oh, I fucking love that. No, I love Necroshine. No, I've heard a lot of people, a lot of people like called it new metal. I was like, really? Wow. Yeah. I don't get that at all. Yeah, I, 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 I know. I think it's a great album, but I've heard people complain about that album. Uh, but yeah, the new one, man, I don't know, man. But, but you know, as I said, I'll give it more listens because uh, unlike the past, like, two or three Overkill albums, I got them right away. You know, this one is like taking me time. I mean, I only heard it twice, but I'm kind of like, you know, I just listened. I was like, man, this is too long to plot it, you know? And, uh, well, but, and I, I will give that the, song, the songs are long, but, you know, Overkill's always done that, too. Yeah, but I this, know, but... but this has more songs. But. Yeah, but the thing is that all those other songs that were very long that kept me interested. This one, right. I don't know, maybe I'm just not in the right frame of mind, and I need to listen to this when I'm not so fucking tired, because lately I've been working way too many hours. I think that may be a contributing factor why I'm not really, like, I'm not feeling it. So I need, like, some... I'll take it in New York with you. That's when I take like a, I'm taking about a week off from New York uh, from work, so I'll listen to it then and refresh you. So I gotta tell you, man, that one song though that sounds traditional metalish, that's like yeah. my favorite song on the album, whatever. It is. Yeah, yeah, that's it, it's a good one. It's got almost like a Sabbath vibe to it. It's so good. It's like wow, yeah. this song because it's you know it just stuck out. You know, it's right. like every other one's kind of like the same, the same old, same old. And this one came out and it's like, wow, man, this is a really great fucking song. Well, that, that's what Blitz said he wanted to do with, uh, with this one, because he said, you know, why he, he loves, and all the fans really stick behind uh, Ironbound, Electric Age, and White Devil Armory. He, he said they, they all kind of follow a similar pattern where this one, you know, he wanted to switch it up to where there's, you know, some of the, you know, the thrash, the punky side, you know, and maybe go back to, like, the I Hear Black kind of stuff. 
And uh, you know, I I, I, I could that one that you like. Uh, that's, I think it's got so, so heavy, some shit, some oh, heavy. Oh, from the underground. Uh, I love yeah, from that, the underground. That's a good that's, album. That's a good one too. I just listened to that the other day. Yeah, I think but, that uh, one. That one is very under the radar. And I thought that one was like, the song "Fuck" and it's alive yeah. and shit like that. And that's a great fucking. Album. Yeah, that that was that was a tough period for them. That's when they were on that CMC label. And, uh, that and was man, the yeah. last time I saw them to the, to the cruise. No, no, that's not true. They played one of those gigantic. Oh, okay. No, I missed them. Oh, I forgot. This is what happened on that. Uh, when they played Gigantor, I got there. When I walked in, Blitz is like, good night. I was like, motherfucker. Uh, I missed it completely, completely. Oh, man. <laughs> but, yeah, I've seen I've seen Overkill so many times, though, man, through the years. Like, here's the thing. Like, they were down here in Florida every fucking tour except for Feel the Fire. And then all of a sudden, after uh, From the Underground, every album after that, they stopped coming. And it was fucking bullshit. It took them like fucking many years. But I saw, you know, WFO. I saw, you name it, every album before uh, from the underground. They wow. were here. But then they just stopped coming. And then and finally they came on that Gigantor, and I missed that. And then uh, I saw them on the cruise. And I, I, ca- I caught both sets on the cruise. That was great. And then uh, I opened for them. The last time in Tampa was uh, White Devil Armories. Oh, and... Um, uh, what's the album? Uh, Ironbound. I saw that. That was an yeah. insane show. Check out this lineup. It was, it was Overkill, Forbidden, uh, Gamma Bomb. I don't know if you ever heard them. They're fucking phenomenal. I've and, heard of them, but I haven't heard them. And there was another thrash band on there that was, was it Bonded by Blood, maybe? I can't remember, but it was like such a thrashing fucking song, uh, show. And yeah, that's, man, that, fuck it, man. Let's, let me throw in another pick. Fucking Gamma Bomb, Citizen Brain. Listen to that fucking album. If you, if, if you, well, who the fuck's gonna be listening to this show that likes thrash? They're gonna be like, Ario, I'm not listening to this shit. <laughs> I'll keep Gamma Bomb for another pick of the week. What a great, amazing fucking album. And band, that's another band that I play them all the time on my show. They're, I'll have to check it out. They're fun, dude. Check out how cool Gamma uh, Bomb is. They're heavy, they're fun live, and the fucking singer comes out with a Too Fast for Love shirt. How badass is that? At a thrash show. He wears a Motley Crue shirt. I'm like, this guy's fucking cool. I have to see if Mr. X can hook me up with some of that. Well, I, that I could. I could. I got all that shit. Right on. Alright, well now it's time to do Fan of the Week. And, uh, Fan of the Week... <laughs> Kind of interesting how this guy came around. Not not the usual route that our fan of the weeks come from, but this guy came from the YouTube page, and he's now joined the Facebook page. And uh, I'm talking about Max Power. Uh, this guy, man, not only does he leave some of the best reviews on the on the YouTube shit, but now he's right there posting daily, uh, along with you know all the top people. On the Facebook page, man. That's what I like, man. Make your presence known. He actually showed up on my radio show this week. I saw that. And I told him, I told him the situation, because we want him on the show, but his schedule really conflicts with ours. But eventually, yeah. we'll find that time zone where oh, yeah. we'll get him on the show. But at the moment, it's very difficult for us to... Because he gave us, you know, the times he can do it, and it's impossible for us to do it on those times. Yeah, well, I, I mean, he cares a, about his family. Yeah, he, 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 he wrote me, uh, 
and said he apologized for not listening to my show, but he says from Friday when he gets off work until Saturday night, he says it's family time in the power household. <laughs> Which, in, in, a, in a way, I, I respect it. And no, I, I, I do. I do too. I'm just good. Uh, but yeah, oh yeah, we kind of bust balls on it though. We will hook up with Max Power, and I got a feeling uh, it's, it's going to be a damn good one. Hell so, yeah, we're going to do REO. <laughs> yeah, yo, God. Max, you are our fan of the week, uh, and hope you listen to this one. <laughs> hope anybody listens to this one. Let's do the plugs. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Ear Pillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear. Go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K. 8 p.m. UK time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcasts. The Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulik, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Sim Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Alright, this is the Ayatollah Alcoholic, Ian Wadley, and I want you to listen to my brand new radio show, Wadzilla World, where I cover every era of fucking music that I like, and a few that you like too. Check me out every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time on Soundphoria.com. I'll see you there. Hey, this is DJ Mac. I want to let you guys know about the podcast with my co-host DJ Metal Mike. Mind Over Metal. You can find us at mindovermetalpodcast.com. We're also on Spreaker, iTunes, Podbean, and uh, just about everywhere else you get your fucking podcast from. Oh yeah, and we're also on uh, YouTube. 
So check us out for the best in heavy metal and hard rock music news, discussion and reviews. That's the Mind Over Metal podcast. Download it, subscribe to it today. Hey, rock music fans. This is Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast. Join yours truly as I look every week at a different classic rock or metal album that had a major impact on my life. And I'm usually joined by a friend or two or ten. And we talk about nothing but great classic rock and metal. And there's no country or Sammy Hagar or rap on the fucking show. That shit is frowned upon with yours truly. So if you want a great classic rock audiovisual podcast, tune on in to the Terrence Reardon and Friends audiovisual podcast. New episodes every Monday exclusively on YouTube. Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. (laughs) Hello. My name is Lee Gerstman, and I have... A podcast which is improvisational in time. The next episode might be 20 seconds away or might be 20 years away, but it's called The Lee Gerstman Show. And I do a lot of record reviews, but I also do editorials about women and food and other subjects, strange or otherwise. Feel free to Take a listen to the Lee Gersman Show on Spreaker. Thank ya. Hey, headbangers, you want your own radio show? Well, you got it. On Thursday nights here on that metal station, join me on the Dr. Fuck Show. Go in the chat room and I will make you my co-host. That's right. Everybody that joins me in the chat room, I discuss whatever you guys want to talk about. I'll mention your name. I'll say what you say. And we're going to go back and forth. And I'll even fucking play whatever request you want. Unless it sucks, then I ain't playing it. Because my show rules. And only songs that rule is allowed right here on that metal station. The Dr. Fuck Show airs live Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Hope to see you there. Well, no, no. Fuck that hope. I better see you there, motherfucker. All right, well, if you enjoyed this episode... Hey, is anybody here? Yeah, you, you, that one guy. If you enjoyed this episode, come back next week when metal legend King Diamond shows up. What? King Diamond, and he wants to review Seals and Croft. He says he likes this new, uh, you know, twist we're taking with the podcast. And he says he wants to review Seals and Croft's Diamond Girl. Wow. Get it? King Diamond? I get Diamond it, yeah. Girl? Diamond yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, maybe, maybe, that's really maybe, funny. Maybe we could get Lou Diamond Phillips here. We could start a new band called King Diamond Phillips. Yeah. A super group. Instead of talking about his career, we're going to fucking... What kind of podcast is it? <laughs> it's not very good. Yeah. Well, I think this week. <laughs> All right, but that's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.